0: This is an ohs.com.au production.
1: Welcome to episode 19 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm joined with Nick Jans. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Brendan. And you? yes having a having a great start to the day um so tell me a little bit about uh you you've recently written
0: a book Tell us about that yes, it's leadership secrets of the australian army and it was published um in about the middle of last year by uh, Alan and Unwin It's about the the way that the leadership practices, the long-held leadership practices that have been used in the Australian military, translate very readily into into other spheres. Uh, and about uh, those, uh, my analysis of what those practices are and why they translate so well, and a sort of uh, kind of a subtext is my frustration that uh, a the Australian military doesn't do a lot to uh, even recognise just. What this translation might be and how it might benefit uh, the rest of Australia. And uh, secondly, uh, therefore, um, Australians in general have a fairly uh, distorted view of what military leadership is all about. They see it as sort of being very dictatorial and autocratic and um, command and control and um, men shouting at other men, that yeah. sort of thing, or heroic leadership no, no, in, sort of.
1: In other words, what we see in the movies.
0: Sort of yes, thing. precisely so. <laughs> yeah. So you're so I I mean,
1: you're really well placed. I see you've had a, a really, really long career with the Army. When did, you, when did you first get involved with the Australian Army?
0: Oh, well, um, I joined um, in 1961. I went to the Royal Military College of Duntroon and I subsequently graduated. I went into artillery and I served, then served for 25 years full time. I separated for about a decade uh, while I pursued academic and uh, management consultancy activities and then um, the military became one of my clients and I gradually sort of drifted back to them and ended my career as with a, a number of years as uh, an army reservist uh, attached to the Australian Defence College where uh, in, in Canberra where I could uh, actually uh, contribute to their leadership program and uh, just as importantly... Study the um, all the really interesting stuff that was starting to come out about um, research into leadership to help us understand that magical process better. Yeah, and, and then, uh, but then there was a sort of a, a turning point where I, I I live in a delightful little Victorian country town called Marysville, which just over ten years ago was devastated in the Black Saturday bushfires. And my wife and I were amongst those who joined the community leadership group to to help the community get get back on its feet. And that particular experience, which was the first time I'd really practiced leadership since I'd left the since I'd hung up my my military boots some a couple of decades earlier, that was the first time I'd um, I I'd really. Had the opportunity to practice leadership, but but knew had some inkling of what it was all about. Previously, I'd just been sort of working by instinct or working working to a kind of a, a script or, or form, formula, which I didn't really understand, like the vast majority of leaders, I suspect. And so um, that gave me some some deep and intellectually exciting insights into the leadership process, and I thought. I've got to write a book about this because um, everybody should, should know about this stuff.
1: So leadership these days, I mean, it's, it's something that you're constantly seeing banded around, particularly in health and safety, um, which is the industry that I'm involved with. Um, yeah. what, what, what do you think that, the, you know, often we see that the middle managers, you know, supervisors, are trying to put them on leadership courses and teach them those skills. What do you think, if anything, is lacking these days? Uh,
0: a whole lot of stuff really brendan the number one uh a proper understanding of what leadership entails and and how it actually happens um and I'll just give you one particular example of uh how this these misunderstandings are manifested, and that is that people imagine leadership as a sort of a um uh, uh, someone who who rallies the rallies the troops if i can use that phrase uh, in yeah. times of emergency uh, and sort of uh, gets gets people uh, around him or her and uh, takes takes the team through to uh, a better place and, and that of course is part of it but um what people don't understand is that the ability to do that the is founded invariably on sort of a long a long term uh, set of connections between that person who becomes the leader and and the other members of the team, whereby that leadership builds up credibility and trust and what might be called leadership capital that they can draw on when those sorts of uh, emergencies happen. So that's that's the first thing. The leadership is a uh, poorly understood process, and who can blame people? Because really, it's you know it is fairly nebulous. It's one of these things. It's like falling in love. You. You know when it's happening, but you can't really explain it. Um, now, the,
1: the so it, it takes a, it takes some time to build, and I guess it can be lost pretty quickly as well. It's a bit like that. That's the, that's the, the ironic reason. thing.
0: Yes, yes, it's yeah. very much a trust thing. It's very much a sort of a, an emotional process, uh, yeah. leadership, and uh, and it can um, it can vanish very quickly if, if a leader is is clumsy or. Uh, um, Inauthentic or um, uh, dishonest about, but is there, about is there the like process.
1: Is there a leadership bank as well, in your opinion? Like, for example, we're all human, so we're bound to make
0: mistakes, including leaders, from time to time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And if you if you build up that leadership capital, and you make an honest mistake, yeah, um, then. Then your team will forgive you, especially Australians. You know we are a very egalitarian uh, mm. mob and a very understanding mob. You know we have a we have a a, a good uh, feel for um, human frailties, and if you mess up, um, people uh, your team will forgive you so long as you you've been building that, that that trust, and so long as it isn't a big thing. And especially yeah. if, um, like uh, the best Australian leaders, you come back afterwards and say, sorry, guys, I cocked up the... Um, it, this, is, this is the reason, and um, I'm going to make sure it, uh, it won't happen again. So, in other words, you need to be authentic. If, if yes. people can smell it, if you're not, I would take it. Yes, people can smell it, if you're not. Um, but uh, this is another thing. I think there's, there's this... Expression, authentic leadership is bandied around a lot. I don't think that's understood particularly well. And to me, um, the fundamental fundamental criterion of authenticity is, are you pursuing the goals you are pursuing? Are you doing that for the team or are you doing that for you? And people can very quickly smell whether... You're doing it for you, and if they sense that uh, it's for you and not for the team, they will drop you like a hot potato. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the... Um, and, uh, and the other fundamental reason why uh, leadership doesn't work and sort of uh, take a group of middle managers and bung them on a course kind of model is yeah. that uh, that's way too late. Uh, you've as Leadership development's got to start very, very early and it uh, it comes out of the fundamental character of the individual. You've got to begin, um, it really should begin with a person thinking about themselves as someone who who is prepared to do what leaders do and that step forward in times of need, um, whether that need is, is critical or uh, impending and do what's needed to be done for the for the team. And it's um, leadership is a very complex set of skills and it takes a long time to develop. And the earlier you start, um, the, the more likely your leadership uh, attributes are likely to be um, found um, yeah. reliable in, in times of test.
1: So it's a skill that you need to i guess chip away at and but some, some yeah. people are just thrust in like you mentioned about the 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 um the fires that you were involved with, obviously, you'd had the background to be able to lead what mm. how were you able to step forward in that time and you know for people that didn't know you and and command that
0: well uh, again that that's leadership. one of those um thing is I, d- I was known within the community. Um, yep. I, th- I think in, in times of uh, emergency, uh, people will look to anybody who seems to be plausible. Um, mm. So there were uh, members amongst the leadership group who um, who had who were brand new to the district, but because mm. they were being accepted by the other members of the leadership team and because they were saying things that, uh, that made sense and which yep. were valued by a scene of... Seem to have benefit to the community; they were accepted. But yeah. in my case, and in the case of most of the other members of the of the leadership team, we had been people who had uh, had the opportunity to 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 build up relationships within the, within the community and to build up some sort of uh, reputation for respect. I suppose if it doesn't doesn't sound too pompous. For example, every mm. every year I would uh, on Anzac Day. Uh, it would be my privilege to to lead the, the march down down the main street, and uh, command you know, basically uh, command the leadership par- the uh, the Anzac parade, so yep. people got to know me as uh, as that kind of person, you know, yep. a person who who wore uniform of a fairly senior rank, and uh, there was um, some uh, level of trust which uh, extended yep. from that kind of activity and I'd been involved in the golf club and I was known as a a person who called out penalty shots against himself when when they you know <laughs> so there
1: there's some there I'm I'm hearing some context and authenticity there Nick
0: yes that's yeah
1: now that's that's good that's good so these you, you just getting back to this um you know you, you're saying that a lot of business these days it sounds like they're becoming more reactive rather than
0: proactive Mm. Developing leadership skills. I think so. Yes, um, but it's in part it's not their fault. They it's, they don't really understand the p- process, and they're sort of they're going on yesterday's model. But uh, mm. this is where I think my book's important. That uh, the book clearly points out the reasons why that that doesn't work and will not work too well in the f- in the future, and suggests some ways in which. Le- um, Contemporary organisations can take their leadership development program by the scruff of the neck and mm. work out a better way to do things. Yeah, yeah.
1: How long did it take you to write the book?
0: Oh, a lot longer than I thought it would because <laughs> I, I was, uh, you know, I was searching for a, a simple but not simplistic model to uh, in which to construct the leadership process. Mm. And I did this by, um, I finally came up with what I call the three R's of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is represent, relate, and run the team. Uh, you, A leader is someone who is seen by the team to represent their interests. Yeah. Uh, and who is also someone who is a worthy representative of what they stand for. So that's the first R, represent, relate, you relate to people in ways that show that you consider them to be important contributors to the total process that you respect what they are going to offer, and that um further that you will do what you can to to build to build their potential for contribution even more by giving them coaching and mentoring and so forth and the third is uh, running the team. Uh, you run the team in ways that uh, firstly make working with you intrinsically satisfying uh that the that the journey becomes uh, just as important as the the actual uh, end point uh and secondly that um people as part of that uh, become bonded and thinking about themselves as a, a unified entity, as a as a cohesive group, and when people think of themselves as a as a team, it's so much easier to to actually um, direct the process and to influence influence the process.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. I love so, the model. It, it's so, really, um, I, I was just as you were saying that I'm thinking of a, a side project that I'm I'm uh, working on at the moment where I'm banding a whole. Group of different stakeholders, and I could really relate to that. That three Rs, it, it, it really fits nicely. So that's great. That's great. Yeah, the simple ideas are—they're uh, they're not always easy to come up with, but um,
0: they're universal, I guess, aren't they? Oh, indeed, they are. I, I really do think that this is something which which is universal. You look at any good leader, any good leadership team, you'll see that it fundamentally comes down to the down to the three Rs. Mm. And wow. the, sort of the important thing about it uh, is that once, once you as a, an embryo leader, as a potential leader, as a would-be leader, have got these three Rs in your mind, uh, it becomes uh, comparatively easy to to, to test your um, preferred reaction to any particular situation against that particular model. So you. Yeah. You're doing something, and you're sort of checking off. Now is this one of the three Rs, and how does it connect with the other, the other, uh, the other two elements of the model, and, and so forth? It's it's very very useful to have a, a simple but powerful model in the back of your mind to to guide you and in what you do, and then to help you evaluate how well it went afterwards.
1: And so I'm curious, did you write the book, and then. Take it to publishers, or did you did you speak to oh, publishers sort of, first with the concept, and then
0: um, they, I got they, it. Uh, I got it. I got it half finished, and then I sent the uh, sort of the the concept to a couple of publishers, and uh, Alan and Unwin was the second, in fact, and to my delight, they said yay.
1: That, that's amazing because I mean you hear of all these stories with you know people that have, get rejected by all these. Uh, you know, sixty, seventy publishers before they find someone. So the second, well, yeah. the second one, it must be uh, must be hitting a nerve there out in the community. Uh, I hope it is. <laughs> yeah, and so have um, uh, Alan and Unwin. Have they, you know, have they got you out promoting the book? And how how, to, how have people found out about? Because you know, the, when I heard about the title, I went, "Wow, that's such a catchy title." Um, I can imagine that would be of interest to a lot of people.
0: Yes, the the title was uh, the the idea of my of my publisher um, Elizabeth Face, Um uh, Alan Rumwin, it wasn't wasn't my idea, but I I thought it was a a very clever one because you often hear about titles which have those sorts, you know, the leadership secrets of uh, Artilla the Hun, for example, (laughs) and it makes the person, oh, I wouldn't have thought of Artilla the Hun having leadership uh, qualities, more more a dictator, and the same with, but uh, what you think about it and you realise that it must have been a lot more than that. And the same with the same with the Australian Army. Um, people don't think about Army leadership in any any other way except autocratic. And the, yeah. the possibility that it might be different, is uh, as it was with you, sort of piques your interest.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so have you been doing the rounds, talks, book
0: signings? Yes, of thing? We, or- had, uh, we had all that stuff um, happened um, in the middle of last year. It was sort of a mad flurry of weeks. And it yep. still goes on to a certain extent. I, I, I talk to community groups and I take a box of books with me and afterwards um, there is a a nice um, a nice little sort of book signing yep. series yep. of uh, events.
1: And um, the other question I had for you is, do you know whether it's available as an audio book?
0: I don't know about the audio book, but it is available on Kindle.
1: Oh, okay. Brilliant. Brilliant, Nick. Tell me a little bit about um, your views on uh, leadership
0: within health and safety. I think it's fundamental, Brendan, uh, and it's not just through personal example and so forth. But uh, there are at least two main ways in which leadership kind of a- can affect the um, the degree of uh, uh, diligence of OH&S observance within a within a team. The first is to is to take that level of observ- of observance o h and s observance from just compliance to commitment uh, when a team really well feels well led and it feels well knitted together by by a good leader and that's one of the things that good leaders do they They knit teams together and make them feel uh, a cohesive entity, then everybody wants to contribute to the effectiveness of that team and when the leader makes it known that part of this is the observance of OHNS pr- practices you know apart from the, the, the self interest involved uh, then um, then people will will go along with that because they because they believe in if that's what the rest of the team is, stands for that's what I stand for too we are we are observing OHNS because we are a good team we are professional team yep. the second way um that uh, occurs off off the top of my head is a more indirect way it, it's the effect that good leadership has on team stability and on uh, turnover staff turnover people yep. people in uh, teams that are well led want to stay with those teams and uh, the longer they stay with those teams, the more they get in the groove of what that team does as a matter of routine, including compliance and commitment to, to safety procedures. Uh, it's a bit difficult to, to make those OHS requirements work if um, every two or three weeks you've got a new member of the team Yeah, who has to learn the process all over again and you have to keep close watch on them and so on. So the the fact that uh, people will tend to stay with you, if you're running a a well, a, a good cohesive team is yep. um, is a great asset, yep. in that sense.
1: All right. Well, um, that's been great, Nick. Thank you for sharing, um, you know, your journey and and uh, all about the book. I think there'll be a lot of listeners out there that will be keen to read that. Um, can I just ask you a few short questions before we wrap up? Sure. Sure. Um, I wanted to ask how old you are.
0: I am 75.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. And then um, what do you like to do to keep active?
0: I am um, a keen gardener. Um, We have a wonderful garden in Marysville and um, it's something that uh, we built up before the fire and then it was devastated in that uh, that bushfire and my wife and I brought it back. Uh, she's, yep. a, she, she's the leader in all this particular process, by the way. I'm just a, just a team member. Yep. Uh, and I also I also cycle a lot.
1: Okay, brilliant, brilliant. And um, on average, how many hours sleep do you get each night?
0: Oh, I've just returned from um, an overseas trip and getting over jet lag, so it's a difficult question. But yep. uh, oh, I reckon seven or eight.
1: Oh, that's great. Sleeping well, sleeping well. And then... Um, The last question I have is, uh, and this is, I guess, a bit of a a funny one, Um, what would you like to be most remembered for? In business or personally, anything you like, really?
0: Uh, I guess it's the way that I judge the the success of my life is that I look at my grandchildren and see what terrific kids they are turning out to be. And I think... uh, Anybody who can, anybody in that lucky situation um, can say to themselves, I must have done something right.
1: Yeah, That's brilliant. So um, if people want to connect with you, Nick, uh, LinkedIn is the best
0: place, to you say? LinkedIn, or they can go to my website, which is AU.
1: And the name of the book for anyone who's interested is Leadership Secrets of the Australian Army, published um, in 2018 by Alan and Unwin. Thanks very much, Nick, for for your time today and and, uh, great to have you on the show.
0: Thank you very much, Brendan. All the best and good luck with your podcast.